Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to church, everybody. We're so glad you're here. Those of you in the room, thank you for being here. Those of you watching online, we love you guys. Thank you for joining us. If you're watching this on our YouTube channel or via a podcast, man, that means so much to us. Thank you um, as well. I'm on location here at Ima's home uh, in the Philippines with an amazing team of 13 of us who've flown about 8,000 miles um, to come and see these incredible kids, 120 of them here at Ima's home. We were going to film outside, but there's stray cats, there's roosters crocking, crocking, crowing in the background, there's people sweeping, there's water noises, so we just decided to come in this little uh, apartment here, we're top, top notch guys next level uh, technology here in the room today, but we're so glad wherever you're at, we're so glad you're here with us. You know, it's incredible us being here at Ima's home. These 120 kids are so well taken care of. In fact, in spite of almost horrific circumstances that got them here, they are flourishing, they are growing, they are becoming the people that God had in mind when he created them. And you guys are a huge, huge part of that. I, I don't know how else to say it, but you're a huge part of that. And I just wish you could see and experience what we've seen here, um, the love, the joy that abounds from these kids. In fact, you'll probably hear them in the background uh, during this message. Uh, but it's almost too beautiful to describe with words. But I want to say a big thank you. Thank you sincerely for every one of you who give Uh, to the mission of our church. It means so much to us, and we thank you for being a generous church. If you're a guest with us today, or if you're new here, I want to take today in this series, We Are the Church, to kind of introduce you uh, to what we're all about as a church. If this is home, just to kind of remind you of where we've come from, where we're going, and also what we're dreaming about. We're in an, an initiative that we launched last week called Make Room, where we're trying to make more room for all of the people who God's been sending our way, uh, and at the same time, keeping laser focused on why we exist as a church. And what we're going to do today is kind of focus on what's our purpose, like not just as a church, but what's our purpose as individuals, and and just sort of honing on the idea that God wants to take all of us, every one of us, on a clearly defined spiritual journey to to number one, know God, like to know God, not not just to know about Him, not just to read about Him, but to have a a life-altering, life-giving relationship with the God of the universe. That's his plan for your life, too. To find freedom. Um, when we say freedom, we're talking about freedom from our yesterdays, from, from the hurts, the habits, the hang-ups of life that life brings us all, myself included. God wants, wants to give us freedom around that. And then to discover our purpose. Like, why are we here? You know, they say the best two days of our lives are the day we're born and the day we discover why we were born. I think that's so important that we live on mission, on purpose. And then lastly, to, to make sure that our lives, who, which is the invention of creator God, um, are making a difference. And this message today is a make a difference message. And the idea is that all of us discover over time that life is not really about me. It's not really about you. My life's not about me. Your life's not about you. There will be moments in life where we feel like it has to be about us because of what we're going through, and we get that. By the way, we get that. We, we, that's why we say it's okay to not be okay. But it's not okay to stay that way because God has a freedom plan, and that when we get healing and then we've recovered and then we've dealt with our yesterdays, that we move on to making a difference 
um, in the lives of other people. There's this beautiful passage from John's Gospel where Jesus is teaching um, the 12, the 12 followers of his, his followers. He's gone to a vineyard after the Lord's Supper. He's gone to a vineyard. He's walking through them, through the garden, through this vineyard, and he's describing what it looks like to the, the with God, like what, what it looks like to live with God. And he says in John 15, verse eight, he says, this is to my father's glory that you bear, you bear much fruit. Say that with me, much fruit, yeah. And then he says, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And verse 11, he says, I've told you all of the things that he's told them so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be, and he uses this word complete, whole, right? So the idea is that God gets glory whenever you and I bear much fruit or make a big difference for God with our lives. And, and he goes, in fact, he says, this is how you show that you're a disciple or a follower of Jesus is that you make a difference. You bear much fruit. It's, it's not about so much about your church attendance or about how much you come to prayer, uh, which that's amazing stuff. It's necessary stuff, right? But, but, but it's not so much about the churchy things people do inside of the building. Um, it's really about what we do that makes a difference both inside the building and then outside the walls of the building that, that makes the difference. And he says, I've told you all this so that my joy may be in you. Not, not, not circumstantial joy, but God's joy may be in you. And what you may have not yet discovered or thought about is that when you live your life in such a way that it begins to make a difference in other people's lives, God has wired it in us, in our DNA, in our, in our chemistry, something, he's wired into something that triggers his joy in our lives when we serve other people with our gifts, our time, our talent, our treasures, our energy, our money, whatever it is. When you are generous with the blessings that God has put in your life, joy gets activated on the inside of you. And your joy, he says, is made complete. And it's Jesus' joy that gets activated in you. There's a soul level satisfaction that comes from you and I figuring out why we're on the planet and then doing what it is that God's called us to do. Sociologists call this transcendent living. Um, that I'm living my life beyond just this, this moment, right? I'm living my life in such a way, and if you're a follower of Jesus, I'm partnering with God in such a way that what, what I do here on earth outlasts my life on earth. This, they say, is one of the great internal needs that we have is to make a difference in our lives. And, and whenever people do this, and whenever churches are about this, um, that, that it's not just about me. It's not just about mine. It's not about our four no more. Whenever that happens, God takes notice of that and he gets involved and he commands blessings there. And what he does is he blesses people. He blesses churches who are focused on being about what he's about and doing more than just being about ourselves. And the way God sees it is that if I stay on mission, if we stay on mission, if you stay on mission, if we keep the main thing, the main thing, he says, I'm going to bless you. And I'm not just going to bless you for you. In fact, I'm going to bless you to be a blessing. That there's this grace that comes down, that flows down, and there's grace that flows out. That grace has a two-way flow about it. And, and, and what he means is I'm going to give you, quote, like more than enough, personally, I'm going to give you more than enough talent, energy, time, resources, money, skills. And when you take your more than enough and put it to work, uh, making a difference in the lives of other people, God blesses that. 
And, and he's given us more than enough as a church. And that's why we keep serving people all around the world, often people who are in the margins, who've been forgotten, who've been left out. And that's what we're going to do with our more than enough. So later on, after Jesus has given this talk to his disciples in John 15, Paul comes along. He's writing a letter to his protege in the gospel, Timothy. And, and he says, Timothy, when you talk to rich people, like, like, like when you talk to rich people, here's what I want you to say. Um, and this is 1 Timothy 6, 17. Command those, notice that word, command those who are rich in this present world, not to be arrogant, like not to think, hey, look at me because I'm rich, right? Nor to put their hope in their wealth, right? Which is so uncertain, he says. But to put their hope only in God. And then he says, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. That the goodness, the grace of God is so prevalent in our lives that God supplies us everything for our enjoyment. The, the way we like to say it around here is that we don't put our trust in riches. We put our hope, our trust in the one who richly provides. And then he says in verse 18, again, command, second time, command them, those who are rich in this present world, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, he says, by doing these things, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for, for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life now, the life now that is truly life. Not, not, not fake life, not culture life, but the true version of what the good life is. So, so he says, do good, be rich, be generous, share. Now, but here's the truth. When he says that those who are rich in this world, most of us would say, I don't, I'm not rich. I don't feel rich, right? Uh, I, I, the last time I remember feeling rich was the summer when I was 14 years old and I had mowed my neighbor's lawn eight times. And I, she gave me $10 each time. She was kind of cheap on me like that. Come on, somebody. But I, I went down to the Kmart on 90 and military. Some of you are old enough to know that. Lived here long enough to know that. And I bought a Miami Vice skateboard and it was beautiful. I went in with a wad, felt like a wad to me, of $80 in cash and picked that bad boy up. But listen, that was the last time I felt rich that day, 14 years old. We want to feel rich, but even if we are, we don't feel rich. The fact is, statistically, most of us are rich. If your household income is over 50000 a year, then you're in the top 4% of the world's richest people. And, and I thought maybe some of you might stand up and clap and say, Whoa, I'm rich, right? Um, but none of you did because you're going, I'm not rich, bro. But listen, statistically speaking, if you have a car, you're in the top 3 to 5% of people in the world. Like, like, we're so rich, everybody, that we have so many clothes, and yet we stand in front of them sometimes and go, I have nothing to wear. You say to your husband, you say to your wife, I've got nothing to wear. Right? We're so rich that our clothes have their own room. Come on, think about that. Your clothes have their own room. Uh, it's kind of funny. W what isn't funny is that yesterday we saw four kids, probably under the age of 11 or 12 years old, uh, living alone by themselves on the streets of Manila. And I know that's tough to hear. <clears throat> I'm not trying to jack with you, but the truth is we're rich. And Paul says, so Timothy, tell the people who are rich in this present world that there's a way to live their lives, um, to do good. To, to be rich in good deeds, uh, be generous, be willing to share. And, and you can be far, you, you can be rich in far more ways than just money. In fact, there are plenty of wealthy people who are poor in all kinds of ways. 
And this is really where I'm going today. As a matter of fact, Paul says in another place in 2 Corinthians 9, he says, you will, as a follower of Jesus, you will be enriched in every way. Why? Why? Why would we be enriched like that? So that you can be generous on every occasion. And then through us, through the people that are carrying the gospel, your generosity will result in thanksgiving that's given to God. People are going to give praise to God because of your generosity. People are going to be thankful to God because of your generosity. We're made rich in various ways so that we can make a difference. And by rich, we just mean we almost all have a little bit more than we need in terms of the way God made us. Rich, talents, skills, opportunities, money, like whatever. And and this week, there are 13 people uh, here who've given up their time and of their resources. This was an expensive trip to go on. Um, to come and serve here at this orphanage that we support, to serve those who are serving. We have a team that's right now over down the road building a brand new playground. We have people who are going to be doing church in the morning for the kids, for about 300 kids, uh, playing music, singing songs, preaching. It's all going to be happening. Sunday, we're going to do the same thing. And, And do you know why all of this matters so much, everybody? Because we're not just helping feed and clothe, and house, and educate, and medicate these kids. In fact, we're teaching them the gospel. The people here are teaching them the gospel. We're teaching them about how very much Jesus loves them, and how he has a plan for their lives. And listen, I don't know what you think about the gospel, but when I think about what matters most in this life, that's it. I'm going to argue that any time that you and I, we use our more than enough in generosity to get the gospel out, it's one of the biggest things we can ever do with our lives. This summer, we took two teams to different cities in, in Costa Rica and Honduras. And, and all the work that we did there was about um, helping the gospel get out, serving the people who are, who are getting the gospel out in both of those places, especially for children who are in, in the margins, who are amongst the world's most poverty-stricken. You know, there's this kind of um, old question that pastors and church leaders um, used to ask themselves, we certainly have internally at LifePoint. But the question is, if our church were to disappear tomorrow for whatever reason, would anyone miss us? Would anyone notice? Would anyone care? Like, of course, the people who go do, but what about the people outside, the people in the community around? Would they notice? Would they care? You know, we're in this series, We Are the Church, And I think this is a good question for us as a church. It's a clarifying question. Would anyone notice if we disappeared? And I think, I want to believe the answer is yes, a resounding yes. And starting with the 120 kids here on this property that we're on right now, that we're surrounded by, maybe you're hearing them in the background. Listen, it's my conviction that if we just existed to support our missional efforts here at Ima's Home, that that would be enough of a reason for us to just keep going week after week, month after week. We, we may not do anything more eternally important than the work we do here. What, what matters is that the gospel is being preached here in San Antonio, around the world. And as a church, we're always going to be generous towards getting the gospel out, being rich in good deeds, sharing what we have, being generous, proclaiming the name and the fame of Jesus. At at LifePoint, we have a culture of generosity. We're trying to, to, to stoke the fires of that, of being rich in good deeds for Jesus, right? 
And, and one of the things that we decided a long time ago when we first started was that as, when it comes to us as a church, um, we're going to tithe all the money that comes in. We're going to take a tenth of that. That's what tithe means. We're going to take a tenth of that at, at, as a baseline and sow it back out into God's purposes in the world in missions like Haiti and Costa Rica here in the Philippines, our, our missionaries in Lithuania, our, the San Antonio Food Bank, um, Agora, Urban Faith, The Good Hood, Fill a Box, Fill a Backpack, and, and all of the endeavors that we do here in San Antonio and around the globe. Already uh, to, to this date, we've given over 100, around $150,000 away to our missional efforts, and it's just still uh, just the end of October. And in every case, it's about getting the gospel out and it's about helping kids in the margins to come to know God. And for, 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 for us, and I believe for God, this is what matters, that we are the church and, and the church doesn't exist for itself. We are here to glorify God. We are here to make him know. Listen, we don't just go to church, LifePoint. We are the church and we, we exist to make a difference in the world. So, so why should this matter to you? Quickly, two things. God is not willing that anybody should be lost. God's not willing that a single man, single woman, a child go out into an eternity apart from God. He wants to redeem every person he ever created. And this is the mission that we do whatever it takes, short of sin, to reach people who don't know God and, and, and help them to come to know God. Lost people matter to God and they, listen, they have to matter to us. They have to matter to us. And we got to do everything we can that gives us an opportunity to share the good news of Jesus with more people. The Great Commission demands it. Here, here's, what, here's what the Bible says about God's heart towards lost people. 2 Peter 3, 9, For God is not willing that any should perish apart from him, but that all should come to repentance. In other words, God loves lost people so much that Jesus says in John 3, 16, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, his only begotten son, so that whosoever, whosoever believes, puts their faith, puts their trust in Jesus, will not perish, but have eternal life. So, so that's number one. Number two, we have a mission. You have a mission. I have a mission. We have a mission. J Jesus says to his followers in Acts chapter one, verse eight, this is after he's resurrected. He says, but you will receive power, right? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And that's happened. That happened in Acts chapter two and it's been happening ever since. That, that he says that you will become my witnesses in Jerusalem, which is the hometown, right? And in all Judea, right? The, the home area, right? In Samaria, which is in, in other places and then to the ends of the earth. And here we are. Here we are almost 2,000 years later. And there are people who have gone from LifePoint to places like Costa Rica and, and Haiti. And in the Philippines, there are people from LifePoint who've gone out and started new churches here in our city. We've sent uh, church planners money and, and resources all around our country. We've been doing this for years now. Spirit-led, spirit-empowered folks, just like Jesus said, going out to be witnesses of the gospel, not only to the ends of the earth, but right here in San Antonio. Just a couple of weeks ago, 150 or so of you went out all across the city and worked with our partners at Sam Ministries and the Strong Foundation and Urban Faith and Daily Bread and Carlos Kuhn Elementary and, and other places as well. And, and in the spring, you guys helped us raise uh, 500,000 pounds of food 
for the San Antonio Food Bank uh, with our partners. That's the mission. There, there's data from the Southern Baptist Association in San Antonio that there are around 1.7 million San Antonians who don't know Jesus and who are headed for a Christless eternity if we don't do something. That, that's the mission, everybody. That's what keeps us up at night. That's why God's got his sleeves rolled up because God didn't just love the world. God loved, so loved San Antonio. God so loved Helotus. God so loved all the neighborhoods around our church. God so loved them that he sent Jesus to save them, to rescue them. That's why it matters that we build this new space that we introduced last week, right? We talked to you about last week, and you can go to lifepointsa.com and slash make room and see the pictures of that and see what we're trying to do. But it's not about a building, everybody, right? It's about what's going to go on inside that building. It's about making room for our student ministry and for our young adults and for our children, our interns, and, and the hundreds of new people God has been sending our way. Many of the time, we don't have room for them. And, and, and just as important, it's about who's going to be sent out of that room, out of the training, the internships, the leadership programs that we're going to do. Who's going to be sent out to become missionaries and, and marketplace uh, and entrepreneurs for, for the kingdom of God, people who are going to start churches and be, become student pastors or, or whatever God calls them to do. We want to help them be prepared for what God's preparing them for. Um, God is going to send people from here all around the world. I believe that with all my heart. And listen, LifePoint, this isn't just the mission of LifePoint. This impacts you as well because Jesus says that you are to love your neighbor as yourself. Eight times in the Gospels alone, he uses that, that phrase, love your neighbors. And I can't love your neighbors the way you can because I don't know your neighbors and you don't know mine. Jesus' followers knew about this. And for three years, they saw him live that out, loving people, loving anybody who he came in contact with. And, and they heard him repeat this phrase so often that it became known as the great commandment. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, and love your neighbor. And this is the great commandment. So, so then when Jesus got crucified, his disciples were crushed. You can imagine, if you give up three years of your life for a dream, for a cause, and then it just gets crushed in one day, it'll wreck you. But then he gets resurrected, and, and then they're thrilled, and they're like, okay, like how's he going to top a resurrection? What is he going to do now? Um, what's going to happen next? What, whatever it is, whatever he is, he's going to do something spectacular to spread the mission all over the world, just like he said. And imagine their response then, when Jesus gathers them up after the resurrection, right before he ascends, and he says, guys, I'm leaving here now. And my plan going forward. And they're like, yes, yes, what is it? It's you. It's just you. You're going to go out and you're going to do what I did. Not only are you going to do what I did, you're going to do greater things than I did. That's what he says, right? And I'm going to be around the spirit of God. It's going to be because I'm going to send my Holy Spirit, the comforter. He's going to be in you. He's going to be with you, right? But I'm leaving. And now the whole plan the whole kingdom thing that I've ushered in, Jesus is saying, the plan is you. That's it. Now imagine their response. Like, what? Right? Like, you're God. We know that now. You've been at work for all of these millennia. You've been at work while you're on the earth. You, you've been through a crucifixion. You came back from the dead, right? And the best thing you have is you're going to turn us loose? Like, <laughs> come on. Do you know us? Have you seen what we're all about? Right? But he did. He turned them loose. And 2,000 years later, by the way, here we are. Not only are we here in San Antonio, but here we are in the Philippines. And there's never been anything like this. They called this the Great Commission, 
right? We're going out. There's a mission. There's a co-mission. We're co-missionaries with Jesus by his spirit. So Jesus says in Matthew 28, right before he ascends, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, in light of the fact that all authority has been given to me, go make disciples of all the people, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And then he says, and surely I'm with you always, even to the very end of the age. Notice what he says, teaching them to obey what everything I've commanded you. What did he, what's his number one commandment? Love God. Love your neighbor as yourself. But all of this, all of this is built on a single strategy, everybody. And the strategy is this. We are the church and God's going to turn you and God's going to turn me loose. And that's a brilliant strategy. Aren't you excited? Come on about this strategy. That's it. There, listen, there's nothing else. Nobody else is coming, right? It's you. It's me. We are the strategy beginning right here in our city right here in our neighborhoods. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God with everything you have. Love your neighbor, your real neighbors, to the right, to the left, across the street. Get on mission. It's not just my mission, everybody. Like, it's your mission too. We are the church. Listen, we don't just go to church. We are the church. And you and I are being sent by Jesus. Take a walk around the neighborhood. Pray over your neighborhood. Bake something if you're good at baking stuff. If you're not, please just buy something. Come on, don't take them something you bake if you Come on, if you, ain't, if you can't bake, right? right? Buy them something good. Give it to somebody. Give an invitation. Build relationships with lost people. And when the time is right, bring them to church. Build and bring. That's it, right? Invite them to the, at the movies. That's coming up in three weeks, by the way. It's a great time to, to invite firm, family and friends. We see so many people get saved during it, uh, at the movies. It's going to be awesome. Pray for your neighborhood. As you drive around the city, pray over the city. Jesus says in one place, he says, the harvest is plentiful. There's a lot of lost people. That's what he calls the harvest. God wants to do so much. God wants to help so many people, right? Because everybody needs to come to know God. But he says the workers are few. Workers are just people who love their neighbors. They're not super skilled. They don't know it all. They don't have all the answers. They just love their neighbors. And so he says, pray that the Lord of the harvest, pray that God will send his workers out into the harvest field. This is not a human power task. We pray and ask God, would you help us be involved in supernatural ways. Would you be, God, would you be involved in supernatural ways in us, in my neighborhood, in my school, at my coffee shop, in, 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 in my community, every neighborhood that's represented here and around the country, by those of you who are watching online, they need people. Those neighborhoods need people who are filled with the spirit of God, spirit empowered, spirit led people, praying spirit led prayers over their communities. Again, this isn't my idea. It's God's, it's God's idea. It's Jesus' idea. Love your neighbor. Last two things. I'm done. Come to the music, so I think I'm finished. <laughs> Where do we learn this from? We learn from Jesus himself. Acts chapter 10. There's a, pre a sermon going on. And in verse 38, he says, Peter says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around. He just went around doing good. Right, just like we heard from John chapter 15. And healing all who were under the power of the devil, right? The enemy, Satan, Lucifer, whatever you want to call him, right? And it says, because God was with him, just like we just read, Jesus said that God will be with you and me all the way to the very end of the age. So the mission for Jesus was to go everywhere that he went, just to go around wherever he was at, school, home, work, Every, and do good and, and heal people that were under the influence, under the pain, under the struggle of the evil one. Like, I don't know 
I think there's some of you who know what I'm saying when I say what I'm going to say. That you've been in seasons of life where the struggle was so real, it was beyond the norm. It was beyond whatever felt natural. You knew, I am being attacked by the enemy. There is a spiritual assault happening against me, right? The Bible says that in Ephesians that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That there's oftentimes that we're wrestling, wrestling against forces of darkness, some of you know that. And so you can relate to it when other people in the world that you inhabit, the space that you inhabit, are going through the same kind of things. So when Jesus shows up in the situations like that, everything changes. Everything changes. Listen, I'm going to tell you a real quick story. When I was about 19 years old, I was in a prayer gathering with some of my friends. And we were praying, and I don't want to scare anybody, I don't want to freak anybody out, but suddenly I couldn't breathe. Suddenly I felt like something was choking me, and I knew immediately in my head exactly what it was going on. It was a spiritual uh, attack. And a friend of mine says, Danny, something's going on in your life, bro. What do you got? And I couldn't breathe, but in that moment I just said, Jesus, you're the sweetest name of all. Jesus, the demons tremble when I call. The name of Jesus just came out of me. That name is higher than them all. Jesus, you're the sweetest name of all. Forgive me, the voice is trashed. In that moment, in that moment, that thing, whatever that was, that spiritual attack left because when Jesus shows up, listen to me, when Jesus is in you and he shows up wherever people are under the, the influence of the enemy, you have the power, the same power that, that, I, that I invoked in that moment. You have that because God has given it to you. So, so w when Jesus shows up, everything changes. One, one biblical scholar says about this verse that I just read to you in Acts chapter uh, 10, that this is the greatest summation of the ministry of, and mission of Jesus. This is it. Wherever people are hurting, wherever people are broken, wherever people are enslaved, wherever people are facing spiritual assaults, He's going to show up and bring help and healing and hope and freedom and deliverance. What's my purpose? What's my mission? What's the mission of the church? What's your mission, right? That's it. Do what Jesus did. So that's what Jesus was doing. Healing, setting free. Now, now last part. Check this out. This is incredible. Luke 8. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, doing all the stuff we just read, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God, healing, helping, all of that. The 12 were with him, the 12 men that followed him around. And verse 2, also some women who had been cured of the same stuff I was just talking about, evil spirits and diseases. We, we knew about the 12, like everybody's known about the 12, but sometimes we don't realize there were more than just the 12 following him around. And so, so here he is. There are women coming around who've been healed of these various diseases, who've been set free from spiritual forces, and who were they? Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod. Herod's the king, everybody. Chusa is his head of, chief of staff. This is his wife, Joanna. Susanna, and then it says many others. So Mary's there who had been freed by the power of Jesus from the forces of darkness, right? But when she met Jesus, everything changed. Um, and, and so she says, in response to what Jesus has done in her life, hey, I'm in. I, I don't have much, but I'll be generous with my time. I'll be generous with my talent. I'll be generous with my money. I'm rich because of what Jesus has done with me. He's changed me. I'm going to help him. Joanna's there. She's the wife of the guy who's in charge of, of the entire king's household. He's the executive director, right? She's got means, which she's literally rich. 
right? She's not just rich in the ways of, of God. She's physically rich, but she's one of the people whose lives have been changed by Jesus. So she's like, I'm all in, Jesus. Whatever you're going, wherever you're going, whatever you're doing, I'm doing it as well. I'll follow you. You healed me. You changed me. I'm going around doing good just like you. I'm rich in good deeds. I want other people to know you. I'm going to be on mission, but it doesn't end there. Check this out. These women who were helping to support, these women, sorry, were helping to support them out of their own means, out of their own resources. Check. It's mind-blowing that, that, that all of these women, some who were named and others who weren't, were supporting the mission, the good news mission that Jesus is on, out of their own means, which means that while Jesus is going from town to town, village to village, doing good, healing the people who are under the power of the enemy, these women who had experienced being freed from the same stuff are now on tour with him. They're helping pay for the tour, right? They realize they've been blessed with more than enough and they, listen, they know what their more than enough is for. It's not for them, right? And listen, Jesus is God. And if there's ever been anybody who could have snapped his finger and paid for his own tour, it's Jesus. He owns it all. And yet he wants other people to participate in the movement of the gospel. Not only with what they do, but with how they give. Why? So they could share in the knowing and the doing of getting the gospel out to change the world. He let other people be part of it so that they could make a difference, so that they could bear fruit. He took all kinds of people with him. They went all kinds of places. They went on tour, just going around as they were going through life, reaching people, doing good. But listen, their generosity, their physical generosity, giving, right, kept the gospel news moving, kept the tour moving. It was out of there more than enough, both in terms of their finances and their skills, their talents, their availability to get on the first dream team, right? The first dream team that the gospel went forward so that lives could be changed. And listen, this is who we are, LifePoint. This is what our mission is. We're gonna serve people. We're gonna serve God. We're gonna serve the purpose of God. We're gonna take what God gives us in all the ways we're gonna send it back out. We're gonna be on mission because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish. And that is the gospel. And that is the good news that anyone who will trust, anyone who believe can come to know Jesus. Let's get involved, everybody. We are the church. We don't just go to church. We are the church. We don't just exist for ourselves. We exist for the people who don't yet know Jesus. I pray blessings over you. I pray grace over you. I pray good things over you in Jesus' name. God bless you, everybody. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.